You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Judd with Rami. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Not only Judd and Declan, I suppose, did I have to sit in a dentist chair for the past two hours. I had to sit in that chair knowing that Boudreaux got fired for God knows what reason. I can't, can't quite understand why you would cut a coach loose who is literally dragging along a bunch of third-line players to four points out of a playoff spot when you've got Declan Goff in net? Like, I'm baffled by it. Like, if your goal, okay, maybe miss the playoffs this year, and then and then compete next year. Why wouldn't you want a coach who you know could win with the JV squad at Bloomington Jefferson instead of cutting them now when you're going to you're going to cap this off next year? You're going to have cap space because you're not going to bring Koivu back. I don't understand why you do it now. Well, that was an, that was an epic call from Ventline weekdays, 11 a.m. on Score North, the Score North app, and available anywhere you find podcasts. And the news of the day, as many of you have probably heard, or maybe you've just been in a shell because you've been at work all day, but Wild coach Bruce Boudreaux fired this morning about 12 hours after the Wild blew a 3-1 to lead to the New York Rangers last night. Yep. And uh, Boudreaux goes down as the winningest coach percentage-wise in Wild history. They've only had a handful of coaches, but he was the winningest coach percentage-wise in the regular season in Wild franchise history. And although he did win only two playoff games, in nearly four years, I think we all agree he's been a pretty damn good regular season coach. And, Rami, there are days like when Kobe Bryant's teammates cleared out when he scored 81 points against the Raptors where you just sort of take a step back and you give the ball to the guy who's got the hot hand. You want me to talk hockey? All right. Yep. Cool. <laughs> Rami Maclaw. He's got confidence. <laughs> he's got a lot of confidence after uh, noon today. Don't, be, flo- don't be Smush Parker the here. The floor okay? is mine. Yeah. Huh? Is that what you're about to say? The floor is yours, Robbie Maclaw, for your Smush Parker just putting up J's <laughs> <laughs> today. Is that no. not where you were going? Uh, Judd Zulga oh, okay. will be our right. Kobe Bryant okay. today. Uh, Greg oh. Wyshynski from ESPN.com and from the Puck Soup Podcast will join in about 10 minutes, 10 days of Twins talk. Also, the Celtics are going to retire KG's number before the Timberwolves, which we'll dive into. But, Judd, my first question to you is, not was Bruce Boudreaux the problem, because there are a lot of problems with the Wild. Mm-hmm. Was he even a problem? Not that I could tell. There's so many possibilities to unpack as to why he was fired with 25 games left. The Wild got off to a 1-6 and six start. And at that point in time, it looked like they were going to be one of the worst teams. And with the way this league works, which is to fire coaches quickly, him being fired after 7 to 10 games wouldn't have shocked me. They went through a stretch November into December where I believe they had something like 11 or 12 consecutive games with points, at which point they are picking up points at a ridiculous rate, and Boudreaux is literally like milking every point possible. And I said to myself, is this really what they want? Now, it wouldn't have gone over well, but we have seen coaches like that with teams that aren't very good win too much. 
and get relieved of their duties. I know it's not ordinary, but it's happened. But with 25 games left this morning after blowing a two-goal lead last night, but still getting a point against the Rangers, and by the way, the Rangers are an up-and-coming, really good team, so this was not a blown lead against a bad team. This is a blown lead against a good team. And you're not as good. It's just that simple. To pull the plug today, and I just got done speculating on Judd's Hockey Podcast with our guy Declan about this, and Lou Nanny told me he thinks I'm wrong, but the only thing that I could speculate is they traded Zucker on Monday. Bill Guerin is planning on trading Dumba or Brodine before the trade deadline, which is two weeks or a week from Monday, February 24th. And that Bruce basically looked at Bill and said, dude, I'm three points out of a playoff spot. I'm in the last year of my contract. I need more help, not less help. And Guerin, if he said this, rightfully so, could have said, and this is all, all hypotheses, which actually, just to be clear, flies in the face of what Guerin said at his press conference today. Although in that case, you got a sports lie to a certain degree. Um, but privately, I could see Garrett saying, I'm sorry, Bruce, but one, I have no pressure right now. Two, I'm trying to build something for the future right now. And the Zucker trade, short-term, not great. Long-term could be fantastic. So the only thing, guys, that I can get my head around is that Bruce basically was told, we're going to keep subtracting from this current roster. We're probably going to miss the playoffs. And in the last year of his contract, knowing full well that he probably wouldn't be back. Him being fired, just to be clear, not a surprise. The timing is a surprise. Yeah. So that he was basically told, if if you can't, if you don't want to make this work now, that's up to you. I'm actually sort of surprised it took as long as it did, because correct mm-hmm. me, so his contract was up in two months anyways. His so contract mean, expires at the end of this season. He's got a two-year consultant fee deal, but yes, his coaching contract is done. But he's a he's a lame duck coach, Correct. and they keep. The, I think they've made their intentions pretty clear. This is, if not a full-scale rebuild, it's definitely a, a take a step back. This isn't Stanley Cup championship aspirations this year. Yep. And so I'm actually kind of surprised that Bruce Boudreaux wasn't out to either at the beginning of the season or early on at some point say, listen. I mean, we're obviously like we'll do as well as we can this year, but do you want to resign me for three more years? Do we want to do we do we want to lock into this marriage and and do this thing? And if not, hey, that's totally cool. Hey, we we had our shot, had a couple a couple playoff uh, appearances, and he's going to get, get a done. job for sure. It's not like he's not going to get a job. He's really good at what he does. So is is part of it that maybe he maybe this conversation went down and and because sometimes coaches get fired on winning teams around this time too, and like we've seen it before where. A guy will get fired out of the blue, a number three seed team or something. And is it possible Bruce Boudreaux could get a job this year even? Like, I wonder if that was part of the discussion. Is there a fringe playoff team that's just looking for a better guiding hand? Although he doesn't exactly have the playoff track record that would lend you to believe that, you know, he's he's going to buzz through four rounds of the playoffs. But um, I think I think my next question to you would be how, what what other moves does this signal? Does this signal... Full scale well, rebuild. Like gonna, what, what follows? It's going to make more sense now if the the answer to my to the scenario I just painted for you guys will be almost certainly yes. If they make another trade that, that subtracts what we consider to be a significant player to a week from Monday, you know Eric Stahl, who I think could help a contender on the third line, looks a thousand years old right now. It's just not working. Um, if Brodine or Dumba, who by the way I don't endorse being traded are moved that will that will almost certainly then signify that they told bruce sorry but we're going to going to yank the rug out from under you 
Um, the other conversation here that Garen alluded to in his press conference, and I sort of hope is not true, but the other part is that the loss last night, that some of the elements of that loss did bother him, that he does perceive this as being a potential playoff team, that he didn't like what he saw, and so he thinks that Dean Evison, an assistant coach, who, by the way, he didn't hire initially, that's a Paul Fenton hire, is somehow going to magically get more from the players. In my heart of hearts, I can't believe that's the truth. But Rami and I talked about this extensively, and in fact, this is where he came up huge today with a great parallel. On, wow. Killed on the hockey right here, man. Crushed the hockey No, dog. you did. I did. Thank you. Laced up the old skates, got out there on the ice, and did that hockey. And where he did it was was the X factor, which is Craig Leopold. Is Craig Leopold putting subtle pressure on Bill Guerin to try and make the playoffs? Because, Phil, you've seen this before. Craig Leopold's a super fan. He wants a win. He, he is. He sees empty seats. Mm-hmm. He would love to have people in that building for even two playoff games because that's straight cash that you're not going to get. And did Garen, does Garen see something last night or in the last couple of weeks that bothers him so much that he's like, okay, if we're going to get this thing across the finish line and be a playoff team, and by the way, again, I'll go back, they're only three points out, is Garen saying to himself, I think that Everson's the guy that can do that. I hope the answer to that is no. I, I, I hope I am recklessly speculating incorrectly completely, but there's enough different scenarios here and enough different players as far as executives go and Craig goes that I can't 100% guarantee that this is being done for the right reasons. And as Judd was describing that, it sounded like the very description that people made time and time again during my years in Milwaukee about former Bucks owner Herb Cole. Huge Bucks fan, Milwaukee native. He was a senator, too, but it was his dream to own the Milwaukee Bucks growing up. He found some fortune, found some success. He bought the Bucks, and he loved just sitting courtside, in his in his seats, and he had his popcorn and his drink, and he had his people around him, and he just loved watching a Bucks team that could barely make the playoffs year after year after year. That's Craig Leopold, but in a suite. And he yeah. and and he, I'm sure he he loved the money that it put in his pocket with the extra the extra home playoff games or whatever the case might be. But ultimately, I think it was it was delusion that drove him to do that. Delusion that a this is what fans want. And B, that if you spin your wheels long enough in NBA purgatory of just barely making the playoffs, never getting a high enough draft pick to do anything, that eventually the wheels would stick. Eventually the wheels would catch, and one of these years you'd get out of that ditch and actually be a championship contender. And it wasn't until Herb Cole finally he got a little older, decided it was time to get out of the game, sold the team to some younger, more forward-thinking, more innovative minds that they have there now, and you see the success that they have. And it wasn't that it wasn't that Herb Cole was a bad guy or didn't care. I'm sure part of it was the money that you got for making the playoffs, but like I said, it was also he thought this is what the fans want, a a competitive product on the floor every year even if they never have any real hopes of winning a championship, and that eventually You'll you'll catch lightning in a bottle and and it'll go farther than you yeah. know six playoff games in the end of your year. See the the wild to me has hit the fork in the road that we all knew was going to come six seven years ago when they signed Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi, which is you these are these are thirteen year contracts that take these guys into their forties, but they're it's great right now six seven years ago because these guys are two of the best players in the NHL. 
and instantly make you a playoff team and a Stanley Cup contender. But at some point, that window is going to come, if not completely closed, it's going to it's going to it's going to be cracked open, maybe. Yep. And those guys are going to be in their mid thirties, and then their upper thirties, and then they're going to hit forty, and they're not going to be good enough to carry a franchise anymore. But they still make a lot of money. And then you're going to have to decide: Do you want to keep trying to resuscitate this thing with those guys on the roster, or is it even possible to go into rebuild mode with those guys on the roster? And those are all realities and questions that the Wild are facing right now. And here's where I think if if Garen. If the move to today was made because Bruce said, dude, I want to make the playoffs, and Bill Guerin said, sorry, n- not possible probably. Here's where they're on the right track. So if, if you pick Dore here, if this is a game show, and there's the Guerin door, the Boudreaux door, and the Leopold door, and Dore is the Guerin door, and it's the one that I think he's working off of. This is very possible to turn around fairly quickly because of, of this. The salary cap is gradually going up some. Parisi and Suter's contracts are still albatrosses, but they're not as bad as they appeared to be a couple of years back. The other key thing is, and this this was the thing, this is what got Fletcher fired, and it's what I think was very difficult for him and a lot of fans, uh, Phil, in this town. The thing that was very difficult was to wrap your head around when it was just clear the Coyle, Nina Ryder, Spurgeon, Grandland. Back to Nina Ryder. Um when it knows, but in all seriousness, when it became clear that those that four that four core was more talented, but basically it ended up in some ways, I think, being the parallel of the twins fun bunch. Yeah. And and so what Fletcher couldn't do was divorce himself from those four. Fenton divorced himself from three, and people are like, Well, he still didn't get enough back. That's not the point. He got rid of them. And and I told you that last year. You got to get rid of them. And Garen finished the job with a really good trade on Zucker. I mean, Fiala might be better than all of them, right? Fiala is easily, when he applies himself, the most talented player on this roster, and it's not close. And you know, it's you know, the the, so Fiala right now. If you just want to go off of points, let's just use a basic you know goals plus assist points. Fiala's third on the team. The other guys that that make out the top four or five. Are all old? Eric Stahl, yes. thirty-five. Ryan Suter, thirty-five. Parisi, thirty-five. And I would try to move Zuccarello, Stahl. thirty-two. And like, Zuccarello last night, non-existent, a ghost. Five-year contract, no move clause. Thanks, yeah. Paul Fenton. Man. So that's the big news today. And there's all kinds of other things we're going to get into on the show today. But let's keep it on the wild firing Bruce Boudreau this morning and bring in senior NHL writer at ESPN and host of the Puck Soup podcast. He's been on our show a number of times, and uh, Greg Wyshynski, what were your thoughts when you saw, I think we all expected, you know, obviously his contract was coming up and there was a decision to be made, but the timing of it, what were your thoughts when you saw the Boudreaux news this morning? Well, first of all, uh, Paul Fenton also acquired Kevin Fiala, so I will not stand for this Paul Fenton slander. Oh, it's a great uh, trade. He, 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 was, he was a horrible GM. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, th- there are still people in this town who are very upset that Fenton didn't get more than just Fiala for Grandland, and I'm not kidding you. No, no. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I don't doubt it. But no, I was shocked by the news, if only because of the recent success of the team. I mean, there was a stretch uh, around the uh, first of the year when the Wild were like one five and one. They lost three games on home ice. Uh, they were back at five hundred. And you're saying to yourself, okay, if there's going to be a change made, and, and understandably so, in the last year of a lame duck coach's contract, do you do it then? And then all of a sudden they start turning this thing around. They go 7-3-1 and one over 11 games. They're a few points out of the wild card spot with a few games in hand. And you're saying to yourself, well, 
you know, maybe he's going to see this thing through to the end of the year. Uh, so to have it happen now was a surprise, only given the context. I mean, I think we all know that when GMs get hired, they typically like to bring in their own guy to be the head coach. Uh, Bruce, in the last year of his contract, wasn't going to come back uh, under Garen's watch. The fact that he survived three GMs is pretty remarkable in and of itself. Uh, but to have it now when the team has started to turn the corner last night, you know, being what it was, it, it was sort of a surprise. So my, the o- only working theory, uh, Greg, that I can come up with that makes sense to me is is this, too. Garen made the Zucker trade on Monday. He's probably going to make, and it's been rumored out there, that he might trade a defenseman uh, by the, the deadline on February 24th. And then at some point in time, Bruce might have said, um, Billy, we're three points from a playoff spot. I'm in last year of my contract. You've got to give me a chance. And Bill said, that's all well and good. But for Bill Guerin, Greg, there's no pressure right now. He's in year one. And this and his team definitely needs, if not a hard reset, a, a reset of sorts. Do you buy that there just might have been a philosophical difference between these two as far as where they stand, both contractually and where this franchise could or should be? I think that's a, it's a, it's a plausible theory as any right now, uh, that there, there could be that kind of a schism, uh, given that Garen has an eye towards the future, but he also has an eye towards the present. I mean, he said in his press conference today, we have to take him at his word that the playoffs are still the goal. And, you know, part of the idea is that half the roster wasn't necessarily playing up to standards and Bruce couldn't get him going for whatever reason. So maybe handing the keys over to Dean Evison and, and maybe when these guys, uh, take a different look at the at the future, knowing that it's it's not Bruce Boudreaux's team, it's Bill Guerin's team. That maybe they have a different tact than they can kind of play out the string with a lame duck coach. Um, I do like the theory though that, as you said, I mean changes are going to be afoot. Guerin's now been on this this gig for a season almost. Um, you look at this roster; it's incredible how many players are on this roster with term, and that there's not that much of a chance to turn the team over by a free agency this summer. So he's going to have to start, get the scalpel out and start slicing away at some point. And maybe the idea is you take away Boudreaux from the, from the equation, you get a better sense of what players you want hanging around yep. and what players you want to jettison in the months that come ahead. I, I, I like that idea. I like that theory. Uh, but honestly, <laughs> at this point, with the, with the change being made at the, at the time that it did, I think everybody, everything's plausible right now. The guy, the, the contract that scares me, and we just talked about this as you came on, uh, that Fenton gave out, the Zuccarello contract. Five years, no move. I swear to God, I went last night, and I didn't notice him play. I mean, this is second-line guy. It's troublesome, and I don't know what you do, but I can tell you right now, Greg, he, he might come back and be okay next year, but there is no way that this guy is going to live up to a five-year uh, no-move no clause, you're going to be stuck at some point, and it might be really soon. Well, yeah, and I mean, that was a move made in a desperate attempt to try to get a veteran team into one last run. It was fraught with problems from the start. Uh, as you said, the real, the real crippling aspect of it is the no-move clause. I mean, even if you can make the argument that adding Zuccarello to this team could make it exponentially better and and maybe they could contend a little bit with the rosters they had the no move clause makes that just a a, a boneheaded signing um because the rest of it is also sort of delusional when you think about the changes that have happened this roster to get younger and faster and and all around better um but you know what the thing about it is that uh, it's a paul fenton signing but 
you know, there's somebody else above him signing off on that deal too. And, uh, and, and I think we can't take that out of the equation. It's not Paul Fenton's money uh, that's going to a free agent for that kind of term and that kind of contract. And uh, there are some, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's some organizational decisions that have been made <laughs> in the last few years that uh, deserve scrutiny, and they don't all stop at the general manager. Greg Wyshynski is our guest here on Mackie and Judd with Rami, senior NHL writer at ESPN, ESPN.com, and host of the Puck Soup podcast. So 31 teams in the NHL, 26 of the 31 coaches have three and a half years or less of tenure with their current team. So it's just, it, and it's been like this for years and years where you get about two or three years, maybe four, and then you're gone. And, and the NHL cycles through coaches, unlike any league in American or Canadian sports. What is the value of an NHL coach? Oh, there's great value. Oh, man, you can look around this league and see how many teams are bolstered by the guy behind the bench. Uh, the New York Islanders, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I think, you know, now that people have come to their senses and realized that the uh, Lightning are going to be okay, John Cooper. Um, there's a number of coaches out there that make a significant difference on the teams that they, that they, that they are managing. Um, but the reason there's so much turnover is that it's the classic cliche is that you can't fire the players. And the reason there's also so much turnover in hockey versus other sports is that there's one position on the ice that can determine the success or failure of a head coach, and that's the goaltender. And as I wrote about today in my piece about Boudreaux's firing, uh, you look at the bottom 10 teams in save percentage this season, six of them have made coaching changes. Okay, And if you look at the top 10 teams, uh, or maybe even top 12 teams, think it is in save percentage, only one of them has made a coaching change, and that's because... Uh, they had to in the case of the Dallas Stars with what was happening off the ice with Jim Montgomery. So the fact that you could have one position on your team uh, basically dictate the success or failure of the coach uh, makes hockey a very unique sport, and it's the reason why we have so much turnover. You're only going to be as good as your goaltending, and in a lot of cases, it's not necessarily the system being played in front of them, but it's the goaltenders themselves that are letting the coach down. Where do you think Bruce coaches next, Greg? Great question. He is entering a crowded market. Um, Peter Laviolette, former head coach of the National Predators, he's, a, he's available. Um, Mike Babcock, uh, it's going to take some crisis PR management to correct his reputation and probably a, a, an emotional interview on Canadian television to clear his name, but he is on the market. Um, Gerard Gallant, he is on the market from the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, there's a lot of, of, of really big-name, successful coaches that are available now. What, what Bruce has going for him, um, he's got two things, one, a couple things going for him and one thing going against him. Going for him is if you look at the underlying numbers in the Minnesota Wild, they remain one of the best defensive teams in hockey. They didn't get the goaltending this year, some, and the penalty kill stunk, which really hurt him. But they were very, very good, and I think there are some underlying numbers that tell you that Bruce Boudreaux and what he does systematically is still very effective. What's going against him is he's 65. And if you look around this league right now, I think I looked at it in like the last – 10 coaches that were hired um, in, a, in, a, in a head coaching or interim basis, there's only one that's over 60, and that was Rick Bonus, who took over in an emergency capacity with Dallas. So it's a younger coaches league right now. Bruce is 65. I don't want to be ageist, but that's just kind of the way things mm-hmm. have gone in this league over the last few years. Yeah. Uh, by the way, yeah! Judd has tied for the 2020 lead in the good question standings with uh, Greg Wyshynski giving him a great question. question. Judd with three, I have three, and Rami has one so far on the season. (laughs) And Greg, make it very clear, I did not 
contact you before the show started. I did not ask you in any no, way to fair. say great it was just a good He didn't bang okay. on a trash can nope, to no, indicate what not, you should say. There was, there was none of that. I did no, nothing I mean, to if, if I knew that if I, if I was privy to this competition beforehand, I definitely would have asked for cash. Yeah. You know, but, <laughs> and I would have delivered because that's the type of guy I am. <laughs> so, all right, that is Greg Wyshynski. He does awesome work for ESPN, ESPN.com, and a host of the Puck Soup podcast. We'll talk. We'll probably talk again with some NHL hot stove or whatever we call the NHL's version of hot stove here later on Let's, this year. Trade deadline, February uh, 24th. Well, I, I was thinking more off-season yeah. for the while. No, but, but no, no, I love the trade deadline. But they're, yeah, they're, they could have some day. guys before uh, the end of the month. Thanks, Greg. Anytime, boys. Talk All right, that's uh, Greg Wyshynski. I, I, I feel like, maybe I'm wrong here, I feel like there's probably more activity in the off-season for them, or are they going to try and unload two or three more guys uh, in the next think, 10 days? Yeah, I think by Monday, the 24th, I wouldn't be surprised if they try and, and unload Eric Stahl, if they can move him for a draft pick. As I said, he looks a 1,000 years old when he's playing right now, and I, I'm i not advocating for Brodeen or Dumba to be traded, but I think one of them might be. I think there's a lot to be had. Dumba is a right-handed shot defenseman who's having a down season offensively but can give you offense. I think the... I, and there's about four or five teams that are really in need of a right-handed shot defenseman. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Garen gets a ton for him. What would uh, we'll get back to this by the way in the five o'clock hour? Uh, Lou Nanny joined Ventline earlier today and, and gave his thoughts, and we'll play some shocked. of those later on. And I feel yeah. like everybody was shocked by this. It was surprising. The t- it was just like the time it was, was weird really timing. Weird. It was weird timing. Even I saw. Even I was surprised. And I, and I don't know anything about hockey, but when Phil texted me this morning, hey, my, my wh- text was pretty condescending. Actually, Minnes- when, when Phil texted you, NHL the sport te- of hockey has had changes. <laughs> NHL team, and that's hockey. Minnesota Wild have fired their head coach, Bruce Boudreaux. I said, dude, you didn't need to include all the details. I'm I'm hockey clueless. I'm not that hockey clueless. Thank you very much. It's a little insulting. It was a little. I heard insulting. the text. It was it was more than a little. I'll, insulting. Ad- I'll admit that it when, was I, when I was typing the text, I wanted there to be no ambiguity over what the news was this morning. So here said, are some <laughs> highlights of hockey if you've never seen it before. The only way it could have been more insulting is if you spelled it phonetically for me in the text. Like it's Boudreaux, B O O dash D R O, Rami. Hockey started in Canada. <laughs> That's the one played on trophy skates. is the oldest trophy. Lord Stanley. Here, here's a whole book. Try and read it by the time Score North Live at noon starts. <laughs> Amazing. So we'll, we'll, we'll get back into this later on. We might even be able to open up for, for some phone calls and, and thoughts on this. But I know I gave you guys a show rundown that had the KG Jersey retirement in Boston at 5 o'clock. We're going to do that next because I just I can't wait 30 more minutes to talk about this. The Celtics are retiring Kevin Garnett's jersey before the Timberwolves. That's disgusting. That is right. But I've learned something new since we had the discussion on Score North Live today, weekdays, noon to two. You can hear that, scorenorth.com and the Score North app. Yeah. So we'll do all of that when we come back here. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.